you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. The course of history has often been changed not by the clash of vast armies or the epic drama of large-scale battles, but by a few daring strikes carried out under the veil of darkness. Such is the story of the Battle of Taranto, a relatively lesser-known but highly significant engagement of World War II that took place in the sprawling expanse of the Mediterranean Sea. In this theater of war, control over the waves meant control over the lifelines of empires. The stakes were high and the tension palpable, as the mighty British Royal Navy squared off against the formidable Italian Regia Marina. This stage was set not for an archetypal confrontation of dreadnoughts, but for an innovative and audacious assault that would redefine the art of naval warfare. The fates of these mighty fleets lay in the hands of men like Admiral Andrew Cunningham, the shrewd and relentless commander of the British Mediterranean Fleet, and Admiral Inigo Campioni the tenacious defender of the Italian naval force. As the political situation in Europe deteriorated and plunged nations into a second world war, the specter of conflict loomed over the Mediterranean. Each skirmish, each diplomatic spat, was but a prelude to the impending storm. This is the riveting tale of a battle that shaped the course of the war, influenced future military strategies, and left an indelible mark on naval history. Welcome to the story of the Battle of Taranto. On the grand chessboard of World War II, the Mediterranean Sea served as a pivotal square. A vast liquid highway bordered by three continents, it was the throbbing artery connecting the resources of the Middle East and Asia to the hungry war machines of Europe. A jewel cradled by civilizations of antiquity, it was now a strategic prize coveted by modern empires. Yet, this wasn't a theater of war as most would envision. There were no frozen trenches or bombed-out cities. Instead, there was the endless expanse of turquoise sea, kissed by the Mediterranean sun and occasionally churned into fury by temperamental winds. Battle lines weren't drawn on land but traced by the wake of battleships and etched in the sky by dogfighting aircraft. At the epicenter of this swirling whirlpool of strategic and military maneuvers was the British Royal Navy, led by the brilliant Admiral Andrew Cunningham. Cunningham was a man molded by the sea, his sharp gaze reminiscent of the hawk-like ospreys patrolling the Mediterranean coastline. He possessed an ironclad determination and a cunning mind, both honed over years spent navigating the unpredictable waters of naval warfare. On the opposing side was the pride of Italy, the Regia Marina, commanded by the resolute Admiral Inigo Campioni. Campioni, a man as indomitable as the rugged Italian coastline, had a deep understanding of the sea and its capricious moods. 
His challenge was enormous to safeguard Italy's maritime interests against an experienced and determined adversary. The stage was set. As the day's last light danced on the waves, the Mediterranean's peaceful facade belied the escalating tensions. Little did they know, this ancient sea, a silent witness to countless battles over millennia, would soon host a battle that would redefine naval warfare and echo through the annals of military history. Unfolding under a moonlit sky, this drama was not just about torpedoes and exploding shells. It was a testament to human ingenuity, strategic brilliance, and the unyielding spirit of the men who dared to shape history. This was the eve of the Battle of Taranto. Facing off in the azure expanse of the Mediterranean were two formidable adversaries. Like boxers in a ring, the British Royal Navy and the Italian Regia Marina circled each other, each awaiting an opportunity to land a decisive blow. The Royal Navy, under the stern leadership of Admiral Cunningham, was a seasoned force. Its heart pounded with the rhythm of centuries-old traditions, and its veins pulsed with the determination to maintain control of the strategic Mediterranean. Sleek destroyers and looming battleships made up the muscle of the British force, while agile aircraft from the formidable HMS Illustrious provided the fleet with eyes and wings. Cunningham was a man of action. With his steely gaze fixed on the sea, he knew the Mediterranean's every ebb and flow. His mind was a well-oiled machine, constantly ticking away with plans and contingencies. He wasn't just a commander to his men, but a leader they would follow into the jaws of death if he ordered them to. On the other side, Italy's Regia Marina boasted a modern fleet, the brainchild of Italian dictator Benito Mussolini's grand vision. Shining battleships like the Littorio and Vittorio Veneto stood as steel behemoths, embodiments of Italy's naval ambitions. Fast cruisers and nimble destroyers patrolled the waters around their homeland, ready to defend it tooth and nail. At the helm was Admiral Campioni, a leader as resolute as the Apennine Mountains that overlooked his homeland. He was a proud son of Italy, a man whose heart echoed with the rhythm of the sea. Campioni understood that the ocean was both a siren and a beast, luring with its beauty but ready to unleash its wrath. His men admired him, not just for his naval acumen, but for his dedication to the motherland. As the sun set each day, casting a golden blanket over the sea, the chess game between Cunningham and Campioni continued. Their fleets, shadowy silhouettes against the twilight, were like dueling sea serpents beneath the Mediterranean moon. The stage was set, the actors in their places, ready for the opening act of a battle that would go down in the annals of naval warfare, the Battle of Taranto. As the gears of war began to turn, a palpable tension spread over the tranquil waters of the Mediterranean. Italy, allied with Nazi Germany, eyed the British control of the sea with a burning desire to wrest it away. The British, on the other hand, were determined to maintain their dominance, their long-held key to the empire's eastern possessions. While diplomacy withered and the last hopes of peace evaporated, Cunningham and Campioni found themselves steering their fleets towards an inevitable clash. They were like gladiators preparing for a grand spectacle, aware that the coming battle could tip the balance of power in the Mediterranean. Cunningham was a man of careful deliberation and bold decisions. 
He understood that control of the sea was a game of nerves and wits, not just firepower. With the vast Mediterranean as his chessboard, he had to outmaneuver his opponent. He knew the Italian fleet's formidable presence in Taranto was a challenge he couldn't ignore. After much deliberation, a daring idea took root in his strategic mind, a surprise nighttime air assault on Taranto Harbor. It was audacious, yes, but Cunningham was not a man who shied away from risks when the stakes were high. Across the sea, Campione was playing his part in this grand chess game, fully aware of the looming British threat. Despite the looming threat, the tranquil Italian port of Taranto, with its array of warships silhouetted against the setting sun, seemed a world away from the storm brewing on the horizon. The Regia Marina, proud and formidable, was confident, if a bit complacent, in their defensive position. Meanwhile, a sense of urgency pervaded the British Mediterranean fleet. Final preparations and plans were put into motion with precision, as the clock ticked inexorably towards conflict. Aircraft crews ran meticulous checks on their swordfish torpedo bombers, their engines purring like caged beasts ready to be unleashed. In this brewing tempest of strategy and anticipation, two men, Cunningham and Campione, found themselves swept up in the tide of events larger than themselves. Beneath the surface of the serene Mediterranean, a conflict was brewing, promising to send ripples that would resonate throughout the annals of naval warfare. Chapter 1 The Road to Taranto As the dusk of diplomacy gave way to the dawn of conflict, the Mediterranean seemed to sense the gathering storm. The lapping waves whispered of imminent danger, and the usually calm breeze carried an unusual chill. A tangible sense of anticipation blanketed the region, as if nature itself was bracing for the upcoming turmoil. Cunningham's decision to execute a nighttime assault on Taranto was not a spontaneous one. It was the result of careful deliberation, strategic brainstorming, and meticulous planning. This wasn't merely a naval engagement, it was an attempt to redefine the rules of warfare. The audacity of the plan stirred a fiery spirit within the British crews. Their ships turned into hives of activity, the hum of preparation replacing the stillness of the sea. The swordfish aircraft were prepared for battle, their sleek forms hinting at deadly intent. Each rivet was checked, each bolt tightened, every drop of fuel accounted for. Pilots ran their hands over their machines, a familiarization ritual that felt more like a prayer. Their faces, whether beaten by the sea air, held a resolute calm. They understood the risks and the high stakes. Meanwhile, Admiral Campione, unaware of the storm brewing over the horizon, continued with his daily routine. However, a seasoned sailor like him could sense the change in the wind. He knew that Italy's participation in the war had irrevocably changed the Mediterranean's destiny. His gaze often rested on his fleet, their silhouettes a promise of protection against the encroaching threat. The men under his command worked diligently, their tasks rhythmic and precise like a well-practiced dance. But beneath their routine, a silent understanding hung in the air the tranquility could shatter at any moment. As night fell on November 11, 1940, the Mediterranean seemed to hold its breath. As the stars started their vigil in the night sky, Cunningham's forces readied for their daring endeavor. 
The quiet ticking of the ship's clock echoed louder than usual, a poignant reminder of the fleeting peace and the storm that was about to break loose. This was not just the gathering of forces, it was the gathering of a storm that would reshape the naval world. As the shroud of darkness fell over the Mediterranean, the spotlight of strategy turned towards two figures, Admiral Cunningham and Admiral Campioni. Their decisions, made on the grand stage of warfare, would dictate not only the fate of their fleets but also the future course of the war. Cunningham's audacious plan of attack had been shaped by several strategic considerations. The fleet in Taranto was the heart of Italy's naval power in the Mediterranean, and its neutralization was crucial to weaken Italy's hold on the sea. However, a direct engagement would be costly and risky. Therefore, the idea of a surprise nighttime air raid emerged a radical approach, never attempted on such a scale before. The swordfish aircraft were chosen for their ability to take off from carriers and deliver torpedo strikes. The pilots, hand-picked for their skill and courage, were briefed on the plan's complexity. They were to fly through darkness, low over the sea, undetected by Italian radars, and launch their torpedoes at the heart of Taranto's fleet. It was a gamble, but in the high-stakes game of war, Cunningham was ready to roll the dice. On the other side, Campioni was engrossed in his own strategic calculations. His task was to safeguard the Italian fleet and maintain control over the Mediterranean, a challenge he faced with firm resolve. However, the notion of an audacious air raid on his well-guarded harbor hadn't crossed his mind. In his strategy, he had accounted for enemy submarines, surface ships, and high-altitude bombers, but the idea of torpedo planes launching an attack under the cover of darkness was outside the realm of his expectations. Campioni kept his fleet on high alert, with anti-aircraft guns ready and patrol boats active. The sailors, sensing their commander's growing apprehension, worked tirelessly, their spirits buoyed by their duty to protect their homeland. As the sea reflected the moon's silver glow, the chessboard of warfare saw its players engrossed in their strategic calculations. The stakes were high, the risks enormous, but at the heart of it all was a resolve to outweet, outmaneuver, and overcome the enemy. Little did they know, their decisions were about to catalyze one of the most daring naval engagements of the Second World War. As midnight approached on November 11th, the grand theater of the Mediterranean was eerily silent, its tranquility deceptive. Under the twinkling canopy of the night sky, the pieces were moving into place, the die about to be cast. On board HMS Illustrious, Admiral Cunningham oversaw the final preparations. The crew moved around like specters, their footsteps muffled by the hum of the engines. Pilots sat in their swordfish aircraft, their hands gripping the controls the weight of their mission pressing against their chests. This wasn't just an attack, it was a leap of faith into uncharted waters of warfare. As the green light for takeoff flashed, a wave of determined resolve surged through the men. One by one, the swordfish aircraft soared into the darkness, their roaring engines a stark contrast to the night's silence. In contrast, Taranto slept on, blissfully ignorant of the storm that was about to break. Admiral Campioni, a lone figure on the bridge of his flagship, peered into the darkness, the cool sea breeze tousling his hair. 
His men stood vigilant, their eyes scanning the horizon, their fingers ready on the triggers of the anti-aircraft guns. The night was calm, but the men were not. They knew that war had a way of disrupting tranquility without notice. Back in the air, the swordfish fleet cut through the cold night air. As the faint outline of Taranto's coastline appeared, the pilots' hearts pounded in unison with the rhythm of their engines. They flew lower, almost skimming the sea, their shadows ghosting over the Mediterranean waters. A series of coded signals were exchanged, the instructions clear it was time. As the die was cast on this historic night, none could predict the result. Would Cunningham's daring plan succeed, or would Campione's defenses stand firm? The answer lay in the silent city of Taranto and the dark expanse of the sea surrounding it. This was the moment of truth, the fulcrum upon which the fate of the Mediterranean would tilt. The Battle of Taranto was about to begin. Chapter 2 The Night of Nights The clock struck 11 p.m. A quiet night in Taranto was about to be pierced by the deafening roars of war. The first wave of the British aerial assault, consisting of twelve swordfish aircraft, neared the Italian harbor, their approach as stealthy as the night itself. From their cockpits, the pilots surveyed the unsuspecting city below. They were a hushed harbinger of havoc, their machines but shadows against the night sky. Squadron leader Kenneth Williamson, a man of exceptional bravery, led this formation. Despite the drumming heartbeat in his chest, his face was a picture of concentration, his eyes focused on the silhouette of the city sprawling ahead. Without warning, the once tranquil night erupted in chaos. Flares dropped from the swordfish aircraft illuminated Taranto's harbor, turning night into day. The Italian sailors, jerked from their routine, rushed to their battle stations. The serene harbor was a labyrinth of docked battleships, cruisers, and destroyers, caught like deer in headlights, vulnerable and disoriented. Williamson's squadron, swooping low and fast, released their deadly payloads. The torpedoes, once detached from their carriers, seemed to take on a life of their own. With a fierce determination, they sped towards their targets, churning the calm Mediterranean waters into white froth. The battleship Connie de Cavour took a hit, a thunderous explosion shaking it to its core. Nearby sailors, momentarily stunned, could only watch as the giant vessel listed heavily to one side. The British pilots, risking anti-aircraft fire, successfully struck two more battleships, the Littorio and the Cayo Duilio, spreading chaos in the Italian ranks. Meanwhile, back on HMS Illustrious, the success of the first wave bolstered the spirits of those waiting for their turn. News of the strikes brought a glimmer of hope to their anxious hearts. But there was little time for celebration. The second wave, with nine aircraft, was being prepared to join the fray. The Battle of Taranto had only just begun. As the adrenaline from the successful attack began to recede, the first wave of swordfish pilots faced the daunting task of navigating their way back to HMS Illustrious. Their aircraft, having served their purpose in the assault, now needed to become vehicles of safe return over the vast, dark expanse of the Mediterranean. Squadron leader Williamson, despite the satisfaction of the successful raid, 
was acutely aware of the dangers of the journey back. Navigating in the dark, with the Italian anti-aircraft fire and possible enemy fighters, was a perilous endeavor. Yet, the unwavering resolve in his heart fueled his actions. As his aircraft turned away from the burning harbor, the sight of the chaos they had left behind was a vivid testament to the audacity of their attack. Each aircraft faced its own set of challenges. Some had sustained damage from the Italian defenses, their control systems glitchy, their flight paths erratic. The pilots wrestled with the controls, their focus shifting from victory to survival. The tense chatter over the radio waves underlined their determination to return to the safety of their carrier. Back on HMS Illustrious, the scene was one of heightened anticipation. Crew members squinted into the darkness, looking for any sign of the returning aircraft. The radio operators sat in nerve-wracking silence, waiting for any communication from the pilots. Admiral Cunningham, despite his outward calm, couldn't help but glance at the clock, each passing minute amplifying his worry. One by one, the aircraft started to appear, their forms ghostly in the night. The sight of each returning swordfish was met with a sigh of relief. Despite the trials of their return journey, the pilots had once again proven their mettle. However, the night was far from over. The carrier now had to prepare for the second wave of attack, with the hope of inflicting even more damage on the enemy. The return to the carrier was not just a retreat, it was a regrouping for the next phase of the Battle of Taranto. In the early hours of November 12, a second wave of British aircraft, nine in total, roared into life on the deck of HMS Illustrious. The success of their predecessors hung in the air, a beacon of hope and a heavy mantle of responsibility. Leading them was Lieutenant Commander J.W. Hale, a man known for his steely resolve and unwavering commitment. As they soared towards Taranto, the city was a smoldering shadow of its earlier tranquility. Smoke billowed from the stricken ships, their flames a beacon of chaos in the otherwise serene harbor. The second wave pilots, witnessing the aftermath of the first wave's assault, were gripped by a renewed determination. They dived, their swordfish aircraft slicing through the sky like sharp knives. Back at the harbor, Admiral Campioni, grappling with the shock of the first attack, was rallying his men. Their initial surprise had given way to a steely resolve. Anti-aircraft guns blazed, the Italian skies filled with a deadly hail of metal, their intent clear, repel the British attack at any cost. Hale's squadron, undeterred by the heightened Italian response, pressed on their attack. Their targets, the battleships Vittorio Veneto and Andrea Doria, were untouched by the first wave. With a steady hand and a beating heart, Hale released his torpedo, watching as it surged towards the Vittorio Veneto. The Italian battleship evaded the attack, but the Andrea Doria was not so fortunate. A plume of water and smoke rose as the torpedo found its mark. Hale's aircraft veered off, evading the wrath of the anti-aircraft guns, their mission successful. As the second wave retreated, leaving behind another round of chaos, Campioni's men fought to contain the damage. Firefighters battled the flames, while rescue crews worked tirelessly to save their comrades. The Italian response, 
although robust, had not been able to prevent further damage to their fleet. The Battle of Taranto, a scene of audacity and determination, courage, and resilience, had ended. The morning light would reveal the full extent of the havoc wreaked on the Italian naval might, and how this daring assault would change the course of the war in the Mediterranean. Chapter 3 The Morning After As dawn painted the sky with hues of pink and orange on the morning of November 12, the full magnitude of the British operation revealed itself in the Mediterranean harbor of Taranto. The serene turquoise waters, once home to the powerful Italian Regia Marina, now served as a graveyard for the damaged Italian battleships. Admiral Campioni, his uniform stained with the sweat and soot of the night's battle, surveyed the scene from his vantage point on the remaining flagship. The Connie di Cavour sat heavily in the water, a shell of its former might. The Latorio and the Cayo Duilio listed, their superstructures twisted and scorched. The Andrea Doria, too, was wounded, its proud form marred by the attack. The sailors and dockyard workers moved through the devastation, their faces etched with the grim reality of the battle. Yet, amid the ruin and despair, there was an undeniable spirit of resilience. They had been taken by surprise, suffered significant losses, but they were not defeated. Even in the face of adversity, the men of the Regia Marina did not yield. They worked tirelessly, attempting to salvage whatever they could, their actions a testament to their unyielding spirit. In stark contrast, the atmosphere on board HMS Illustrious was one of cautious jubilation. Admiral Cunningham received the report of the second wave's success with a grave satisfaction. The victory was significant, but the cost had not been negligible. They had lost two aircraft, and more importantly, four of their men. The joy of victory was tinged with the bitter taste of sacrifice. As the sun climbed higher, the world woke to the news of the unprecedented attack. The Battle of Taranto had ended, but its repercussions were only beginning to ripple through the theater of World War II. It was a stark reminder that the course of war was unpredictable, that the tables could turn with the rising of a new sun. In the grand offices of the British Admiralty in London, News of the victory at Taranto was received with an air of surprise and satisfaction. The audacious plan, initially greeted with skepticism by some, had paid off. The balance of naval power in the Mediterranean, for the first time in the war, had shifted towards the British. Admiral of the Fleet Sir Dudley Pound, the first sea lord, looked over the reports with a keen eye. The bold strategy, a triumph of intelligence, planning, and bravery, had achieved more than any had dared to hope. Not only had they inflicted severe damage on the Italian fleet, but they had done so with minimal losses a testament to the courage and skill of their men. Yet, amid the joy, there was no room for complacency. Pound knew the Italians, though battered, were far from beaten. Their naval capacity remained a significant threat, and the British would need to maintain the pressure. Despite the victory, he reminded his officers, the war was far from over. In the smoky, dim-lit rooms of Mussolini's headquarters in Rome, the defeat was a bitter pill to swallow. The Duce, already struggling with the challenges on multiple fronts, now had to deal with the crippling blow to his navy. Yet, he remained defiant.
to his generals, he declared that they would rebuild and return stronger. The loss at Taranto, he declared, would be the catalyst for a renewed commitment to the war effort. Back in Taranto, as the last of the sun's rays disappeared over the horizon, the battle-scarred harbor stood as a silent testament to the day's events. The Italian and British flags fluttered at half-mast, honoring the men who had fought bravely. Victory had been declared, but its price was etched into the heart of every sailor who had witnessed the Battle of Taranto. Their story, a tale of courage, sacrifice, and resilience, was one that would echo through the annals of history. In the aftermath of the devastating Battle of Taranto, the time had come for the Italian Navy to regroup. Admiral Campioni, ever the stern leader, marshaled his forces and engineers to contain the havoc and restore functionality to their fleet. The once pristine Taranto Harbor was a scene of industrious chaos as men and machines worked tirelessly to salvage the damaged battleships. Workers, their faces streaked with soot and determination, maneuvered massive cranes to lift debris, while divers plunged into the murky depths to inspect the hulls of the crippled ships. Their spirit of resilience, undeterred by the damage, was a beacon of hope amidst the devastation. The road to recovery was long, but every welded patch, every cleared piece of rubble, was a step towards restoring the pride of the Regia Marina. Meanwhile, in the hallowed halls of the British Admiralty, a different kind of regrouping was underway. The success at Taranto was a boost to the morale of the British Royal Navy, but it was no time for complacency. Admiral Pound gathered his strategists and commanders, poring over maps and intelligence reports, preparing for the next move. Their enemy, though wounded, was far from defeated, and the Battle of Taranto had only served to underline the volatility of the war. Across the sea, on the deck of the HMS Illustrious, the pilots of the victorious swordfish squadrons were hailed as heroes. Yet, amidst the celebrations, there was a somber recognition of the colleagues they had lost. Their empty seats at the mess table were a stark reminder of the human cost of victory. The events at Taranto had indeed changed the course of the war in the Mediterranean, but for the men on both sides of the conflict, it was a stark reminder that the journey was far from over. The regrouping efforts, be it in the chaos of Taranto or the offices of the Admiralty, were a testament to their unyielding spirit, their resolve to face the trials of war and emerge victorious. Chapter 4 The Ripple Effect The echoes of the Battle of Taranto resonated far beyond the confines of the Mediterranean, sending shockwaves throughout the capitals of the world. The British victory had not only crippled the Italian fleet but also shifted the balance of power in the Mediterranean. As the news filtered through radio broadcasts and newspaper headlines, the immediate repercussions became evident. In Berlin, German Chancellor Adolf Hitler found himself wrestling with this unexpected setback. His Italian allies, he knew, were now weakened, and his plans for domination in the Mediterranean and North Africa were jeopardized. General Erwin Rommel, the Desert Fox leading the Africa Corps, would face increased resistance from the emboldened British forces. The news also reached across the Pacific to Japan, where naval strategists took keen interest. Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto, the mastermind of the Japanese naval strategy, carefully studied the reports from Taranto.
the British had proven that a surprise air attack could incapacitate a well-protected fleet, a lesson that Yamamoto would soon put into practice with devastating effect. In the United States, still neutral in the conflict, President Franklin D. Roosevelt regarded the events with cautious optimism. The British success reaffirmed his decision to aid them under the Lend-Lease Act, providing supplies and arms to the Allies. Yet, it also underscored the rapidly changing dynamics of war, especially the escalating importance of air power. On the ground level, in the streets of London and throughout Britain, the news of victory brought a rare moment of celebration. Amid the bleak reports from the war, the success at Taranto was a glimmer of hope, a testament that the tide of war could indeed be turned. But for the sailors in the Mediterranean, it was a reminder of their duty and the battles yet to come. The repercussions of the battle, both immediate and far-reaching, had begun to shape the course of the war. The Battle of Taranto was a turning point, heralding a new phase in naval warfare. The audacious use of aircraft to deliver a crippling blow to a major naval fleet demonstrated the increasing importance of air power in maritime conflicts. In Britain, the Royal Navy had effectively demonstrated the potential of naval aviation. Admiral Cunningham's daring operation, conceived in the planning rooms of the British Admiralty and executed by the brave swordfish pilots, had changed the game. It was clear now that the battleships, once the queens of the sea, could be rendered vulnerable by well-coordinated air attacks. The implications of Taranto were also not lost on the American naval thinkers. Admiral Ernest King, the U.S. Chief of Naval Operations, noted with interest the changing tactics. He realized that aircraft carriers, once an adjunct to the main battle fleet, could play a decisive role in future conflicts. It was a realization that would shape the composition of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, and ultimately, the outcome of the battles in the Pacific Theater. But it was in the land of the rising sun, Japan where the lessons of Taranto were most keenly observed. Admiral Yamamoto, already a proponent of naval air power, saw in the British operation a vindication of his theories. The strike against the Italian fleet provided him with a blueprint, a strategy he would adapt in planning the fateful attack on Pearl Harbor, an event that would catapult the United States into World War II. The success of the Royal Navy at Taranto had sounded a clarion call heralding a new era in naval warfare. The fleets of the world would never be the same. The Battle of Taranto had not just changed the course of the war in the Mediterranean, it had forever transformed the nature of naval combat. The significance of the Battle of Taranto extended well beyond the immediate victory for the British Royal Navy. Its ripple effects were felt throughout the different theaters of the Second World War, influencing key decisions and shaping major outcomes. Following the crippling blow dealt to the Italian fleet, the balance of naval power in the Mediterranean shifted in favor of the British. This enabled them to more effectively support their ground forces in the North Africa campaign, directly impacting the success of figures like General Bernard Montgomery, leader of the British Eighth Army. The victory at Taranto also relieved pressure on the crucial supply routes to the besieged island of Malta, a strategic point for Allied operations in the region. Across the Atlantic, President Roosevelt observed the British victory as a testament to the resilience of his key ally. 
it reaffirmed his decision to stand with Britain, leading to a strengthening of the policy of providing military aid under the Lend-Lease Act. The victory at Taranto indirectly helped to solidify the alliance between Britain and the United States, an alliance that would prove to be decisive for the ultimate outcome of the war. But perhaps the most profound impact of the Battle of Taranto was felt in the Pacific. The tactics employed by the British had been carefully noted by Admiral Yamamoto. Less than a year after Taranto, he would adapt these tactics to launch a devastating attack on the U.S. Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor, drawing the United States into the global conflict. While the Battle of Taranto was a regional conflict fought in the waters of the Mediterranean, its influence reverberated throughout the world, shifting the course of the Second World War. This naval engagement, though often overshadowed by larger battles, played a key role in shaping the trajectory of the most significant conflict in human history. Chapter 5 The Battle's Legacy The Battle of Taranto, while momentous in its own right, was also a crucial learning experience for all nations involved, as well as those observing from afar. The insights garnered from this engagement rippled through the remainder of the Second World War molding the strategies and technologies of naval warfare. For the British Royal Navy, the success of the air raid had underlined the potency of aircraft carriers. The leadership recognized the need for a naval strategy that increasingly leaned on air power, a shift echoed by Admiral Cunningham's famous quote, the era of the battleship has ended. In the United States, military strategists closely scrutinized the British victory. This underscored the necessity of a strong, modern naval aviation arm, reinforcing Admiral King's vision of an aircraft carrier-centric fleet. It was a lesson taken to heart, as future battles in the Pacific theater would demonstrate. The Italian Regia Marina, on the receiving end of the daring British operation, was faced with the stark reality of their shortcomings. The battle highlighted their underestimation of air power and the vulnerability of their supposedly impregnable harbor defenses. It served as a wake-up call to bolster their anti-aircraft defenses and rethink their naval strategies. But perhaps the most significant lesson was learned by Japan. Admiral Yamamoto saw a practical demonstration of his long-held belief in the power of naval aviation. This understanding directly shaped his strategy for the Pearl Harbor attack, a tactic that drew the United States into the war and forever altered the course of history. In the grand tapestry of the Second World War, the Battle of Taranto was a crucial thread, teaching valuable lessons to all major players in the conflict. These lessons, born from the roaring engines of the swordfish planes and the fiery carnage in Taranto Harbor, changed the course of naval warfare and ultimately, the outcome of the war. In the years following the end of the Second World War, the Battle of Taranto underwent numerous evaluations by military strategists and historians around the world. The impact of this operation was analyzed in great depth, shedding light on the broader implications of the conflict. For the British, the post-war analysis was a moment of pride. The Royal Navy, particularly the crews of the Swordfish aircraft and the HMS Illustrious, were lauded for their audacity and precision. Admiral Cunningham's decision to launch the operation, despite the risks, 
was praised as a stroke of genius that tipped the scales in the Mediterranean theater in favor of the Allies. In Italy, the post-war evaluation was one of introspection and regret. The battle revealed significant flaws in their naval strategy, particularly their underestimation of air power and the vulnerability of their harbor defenses. The Regia Marina was forced to acknowledge their lack of preparedness and the overconfidence in their naval supremacy. In the United States, post-war evaluations lauded the strategic value of aircraft carriers, thanks in part to the Battle of Taranto. This led to significant advancements in carrier design and tactics, eventually becoming a cornerstone of U.S. naval strategy during the Cold War and beyond. The most profound post-war evaluation, however, came from Japan. The Battle of Taranto validated Admiral Yamamoto's belief in the importance of aircraft carriers, influencing his strategy for Pearl Harbor. In the wake of their defeat in the Pacific, the Japanese Naval Command had to grapple with the realization that their most significant strike against the United States had been inspired by the operation at Taranto. From the smoke and fire of the Taranto Harbor emerged a new understanding of naval warfare, one that placed aircraft carriers at the heart of maritime strategy. The lessons learned from this historic battle continue to echo in the halls of military academies and in the strategic decisions of modern naval forces. As years turned into decades following the Second World War, the Battle of Taranto etched its place in memory and history as a momentous shift in naval warfare. It became an enduring reminder of the underdog spirit, strategic brilliance, and the relentless march of technology. In Britain, the battle is revered as a demonstration of daring and innovation under extreme adversity. The image of the antiquated swordfish biplanes soaring over the Italian battleships, under a moonlit sky, has been immortalized in paintings, books, and films. The battle's heroes, like the relentless pilots of the Royal Navy's Fleet Air Arm and Admiral Cunningham, became figures of national pride, embodying the country's resilient spirit during the war. In Italy, the Battle of Taranto is remembered with a mix of regret and respect. It serves as a harsh lesson in overconfidence and complacency but also as an acknowledgement of the valiant effort by the Italian sailors to protect their fleet. The battle has found its way into Italian literature and cinema, often depicted as a night of fire and chaos that forever changed the country's naval destiny. For the rest of the world, particularly for military historians and strategists, the Battle of Taranto is a pivotal moment in the history of warfare. It is studied in military academies, analyzed in scholarly articles, and discussed in strategic think tanks, symbolizing the dawn of a new era of carrier-based naval warfare. The Battle of Taranto, often overshadowed by larger battles of the Second World War, holds an indelible place in the annals of history. It remains a testament to human ingenuity, bravery, and the transformation of warfare. The echoes of that fateful night continue to resonate, serving as a reminder of how a single, well-executed plan can change the course of history. Chapter 6 Reflection and Retrospection The assessment of the Battle of Taranto is an intriguing narrative of bravery, ingenuity, and the transformative power of technology. It stands as a testament to how a bold, well-executed plan can drastically shift the balance of power in a war, 
proving the age-old adage that fortune favors the brave. The bravery displayed by the British aircrews was second to none. Piloting the antiquated swordfish biplanes, they flew through a storm of anti-aircraft fire, in the dark, over unfamiliar terrain. Each man knew the odds of returning were slim, yet they pressed on, displaying a level of courage and resolve that has been rightly lauded in military history. Strategic ingenuity was another key aspect of the battle. Admiral Andrew Cunningham's decision to launch the raid, the meticulous planning of the operation, and the use of innovative tactics like torpedo attacks in shallow water, all reflected a creative approach to warfare. These factors, coupled with the bold execution by the fleet air arm, turned a daring idea into a crushing reality for the Italians. But perhaps the most significant aspect of the Battle of Taranto was its role as the harbinger of a new era in naval warfare. It demonstrated, beyond doubt, the lethal potential of carrier-based aircraft against capital ships. This message resonated not just in Britain, but in the United States and Japan as well. It marked a shift in naval strategy, from the era of big-gun battleships to the age of the aircraft carrier. In assessing the Battle of Taranto, it's crucial to understand its ripple effects on the Second World War and beyond. It stands as a turning point in military history, an instance of David conquering Goliath, and a preview of the future of naval warfare. The legacy of Taranto resonates through history, a testament to human ingenuity, courage, and the relentless march of technology. The Battle of Taranto brought forth a number of key figures, men who would become synonymous with the event and its impact on World War II and beyond. Two, in particular, come to the fore, Admiral Andrew Cunningham and Lieutenant Commander Kenneth Williamson. Admiral Andrew Cunningham, a seasoned naval officer with a distinguished career, was at the helm of the Mediterranean fleet during the Battle of Taranto. Known for his determination and strategic acumen, Cunningham decided to proceed with the daring plan to launch an aerial attack on the Italian fleet at Taranto. His leadership was crucial in steering the operation, which marked a paradigm shift in naval warfare. Post-war, he became First Sea Lord, the highest-ranking position in the British Royal Navy, ensuring his place in naval history. Lieutenant Commander Kenneth Williamson was the operational mastermind behind the Battle of Taranto. A stalwart of the fleet air arm, Williamson planned the raid in intricate detail, from the route the swordfish would take to the altitude they would fly it to evade enemy radar. He understood the risks involved but, like Cunningham, he believed in the element of surprise and the potential of the aging biplanes. Williamson flew in the first wave of the attack, and his courage and determination set the tone for the rest of his squadron. He survived the war and later served in key roles in the Royal Navy, living to see the new era of naval warfare that his daring had helped usher in. These two men, along with the courageous aircrews of the fleet air arm, became the figures of Taranto, symbols of the bravery, strategic brilliance, and innovative spirit that marked this pivotal moment in naval warfare. Their tales are not just stories of individual heroism, but of a collective effort that changed the course of World War II and shaped the future of naval combat. Their memory is etched in history, a reminder of a night when audacity, ingenuity, and courage combined to shift the tide of a global conflict.
Looking back from the present day, the Battle of Taranto offers a vivid portrait of war, innovation, and the human spirit. It provides an intriguing backdrop against which we can understand the profound transformations in warfare, the strength of leadership, and the enduring courage of individuals amidst the throes of a global conflict. Innovations in warfare that emerged from the Battle of Taranto have significantly shaped modern military strategy. The transformation from battleship to aircraft carrier dominance in naval combat, catalyzed by Taranto, has endured to this day. Aircraft carriers are now central to naval fleets across the globe, and their operations echo the tactics first trialed during the fateful night of November 11, 1940. From a leadership perspective, figures such as Admiral Cunningham and Lieutenant Commander Williamson offer lessons in the power of calculated risk-taking, strategic foresight, and the ability to harness the potential of available resources. Their stories serve as a testament to the crucial role of leadership in war, demonstrating how bold decisions under pressure can alter the course of history. Finally, the Battle of Taranto illuminates the human dimension of war. The daring of the fleet air arm crews, flying outdated biplanes into heavily defended enemy territory, illustrates the extraordinary courage that individuals can summon in the face of adversity. It's a timeless reminder of the resilience and bravery inherent in the human spirit, values that remain just as relevant today as they were during the dark days of World War II. As we look back from the present, the Battle of Taranto stands as a significant chapter in our shared history. It's a story of change and continuity, of extraordinary individuals and broader historical forces. It's a narrative that resonates with echoes of the past and reverberations that continue to shape our present and future.